Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Oh, man, appreciate the uh, conversation this morning. A lot of them. Rangers are a win away from a championship for the first time in franchise history. We're doing our best not to jinx it, but it feels pretty solid right now. But Ranger fans have been here one win away. I won't remind you of 11, but uh, you know it. But uh, feeling good about the Rangers after they did decisively dominate the Diamondbacks last night, even without Adolis Garcia in their lineup or even on their playoff roster, but still plenty of offense for the Rangers. Also, a lot of thoughts on the uh, text line this morning. Appreciate those conversations. 512-447-3776. It says you guys think maybe the NCAA is going to wait till the playoffs come around and playoffs. drop the hammer on Michigan and stick it to Harbaugh. Look, I don't, you know, Rod, the one thing I, I have predicted on this since it first started is it's going to grow quickly because you could tell pretty quickly that this has been kind of whispered about behind the scenes and there had been information being compiled and all of a sudden once it's out, it's out, right? The dam is broken on, you know, what, what people have been holding on to because now there's confirmation of it and now it's just – now the digging is on. Uh, I don't know how this is going to play out. I've argued the Big, the big Ten should get ahead of it and go to wireless headsets for the rest of the year. They haven't done that. Boy, it's, it's too late now. I know. It's, it's too late. too late. It's, it's Wednesday. Last, yeah, January. last week was the time to do it when you brought that idea, which was a good idea, but it's too late now. It's, yeah. It's now – it's got a mind of its own. <laughs> well, and now it's – well, at this point – Because nobody said anything. There's been no other side to the story. Well, I mean, you know, Jim Harbaugh kind of mumbled this week at his press conference, let it, let it play out, got to let it play out. What? Um, but, again, this is uh, – let, let it play out. And, you know, he's let the investigation play out, I should That's say. That's what I'm saying. When you're innocent, you don't say stuff like that. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you don't say stuff like you go out there and you go, man, I had nothing to do with this. I have no idea what's going on. That is something rogue operation within my organization. I have to fix it. But that ain't got nothing to do with me. I yeah, will be I absolved here. I think the Big Ten should have made a statement or said something or done something. Because they may be the best team in the country right now, but they're third in the first college football playoff rankings. There's argument that they're already getting dinged for it. Um, but same time, any information that they've gathered, Rod, they have. Yeah. Right. It's all it's all there. They have it. And what you know, the, the what's allowed in the Big Ten is that you can you still have to do your your non wireless community or your non headset communication. So you got to do your signs. Well, now there's an argument that everybody that they play in the Big Ten, they Michigan already knows them. So you can at least the teams in the Big Ten can make ch- dramatic changes, kind of like TCU did mm-hmm. last year before the semifinal game that they won. Last time Michigan took a loss, really, in the last two years was that game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, at least there's that, that it's out there and the teams are aware of it, that, that there could be something to be, to be, you know, make sure you're being very disguisey with your signs. But uh, either way, this is I can't wait to see where Stallions shows up next. Oh, um, yeah, every, every, now, if you're a college football program that somehow was in the orbit of Michigan and this scandal, 
you got to go check sidelines of your opponents and stuff like that. Or if you're in a party, you go see, like, did this dude, is it any way he infiltrated our damn sideline or something? Um, you know, with our opponents, something like that. You have to actually do the research because you don't want to be like Jim McElwain caught off guard when they're asking you, oh, man, do you, uh, did you uh, know that, Jim Mac- that, that you had Connor Stallions or allegedly had Connor Stallions on your sideline? You don't want to be caught off guard. So right now you have to put a team of your support staff <laughs> out there for Potentially, if you were one of these teams to try to figure out, hey, man, is it possible that Connor Stallions is on our sideline? Because I don't want to see this on Twitter. All right. I don't want Twitter to reveal this to us before we have a chance to get in front of it. Because that now is a possibility. That is sinister. Yeah. Uh, somebody, is. good question here on the text line, and maybe our, our textures can help. Because I'm trying to remember this, Rod, and you'll probably remember. Somebody said, any idea for an 11 a.m. kick when I should have my little kids to Bevo Boulevard to see Bevo, the band, and the team? I think that would be 8.30 to 9.30-ish. For an 11 o'clock kick, I know you, you and I, we did the show from Bebo Boulevard uh, last couple of years, and I think it's I'm two and a half, look, two and a half hours to kick. I bet they have a schedule. I'm gonna look it up for you. Uh, because we used to get a little rundown, and they, yeah, they do the mm-hmm. the band walks through, then yeah. Bevo uh, with the band, and then the player walk comes through, and yeah, you don't want to miss that. It's pretty cool. It's it really might be cool. nine o'clock, but at the same time, I, th- I think it may be just a tad earlier. Uh, I would say between you know, grab a coat and get down there between you know eight and and uh, ten, and you should be good. But uh, Rod's gonna get you the exact time. That's coming up on. Saturday morning. Uh, let's get to the other headlines, though. Longhorn sitting uh, right in a good spot. Not surprising where they land in the first college football playoff rankings. Let's get it. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories. Yeah, Longhorns uh, in college football last night. First edition of the college football playoff rankings revealed and undefeated Ohio State. Slotted at the top with their uh, undefeated record, plus wins over Notre Dame and Penn State uh, already. Uh, three more unbeatens round out the rest of the top four with two-time reigning champs Georgia, number two. Michigan is three. Then Florida State out of the ACC is five, uh, four. Washington, undefeated out of the Pac-10, is five, followed by one loss, Oregon. Then the Longhorns check in at number seven. They are the highest-ranked team out of the Big 12. Alabama, OU, and Ole Miss round out the top ten. As for the rest of the Big 12, uh, Kansas and Oklahoma State are 21-22. and 22. Longhorns opponent this Saturday at DKR. The K-State Wildcats are 23. NFL, big news coming down this morning. The Raiders have relieved head coach Josh McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler of their duties. Fired uh, here midway through the season. Antonio Pierce, their linebackers coach, will take over on an interim basis. Flurry of trades yesterday ahead of the trade deadline yesterday afternoon. Not surprising. Niners, though, made another big splash. Last year it was Christian McCaffrey that they swung the deal for. Yesterday it was uh, Chase Young, the number two pick of the 2020 draft. They sent a third-round compensation pick to Washington to acquire um, Chase Young. Earlier in the day, the Bears sent a 2024 second-round pick to Washington for the Commanders' other young pass rusher, Montez Sweat. Lions acquired Donovan Peoples-Jones from Cleveland. Vikings add quarterback Josh Dobbs from Arizona. Bills snag cornerback Rasul Douglas. And Jacksonville bolstered their interior offensive line by adding guard Ezra Cleveland from Minnesota. The Texas Rangers, one win away now from their first-ever World Series crown. They pounded their way to an 11-7 win over the Diamondbacks last night in Arizona. They take a 3-1 advantage in the best-of-seven series. Rangers put game four away early. Marcus Simeon. Uh, ripped a two-run triple to highlight a five-run second inning. And Simeon ripped a three-run homer to highlight a five-run third inning. Corey Seager made it 10-0 with a two-run shot of his own. Rangers approved to 10-0 on the road in this postseason. They were then one win of their first title in the 63-season history of that franchise. It started with the expansion Washington Senators in 1961. Light night in the NBA, just three games, but it did include a stunner where the Spurs went into Phoenix, fell behind by 20 in the third quarter, and rallied to beat the Suns 115-114. They rallied for the win. They stunned it on Keldon Johnson's late strip steal and layup. Took it from Kevin Durant and laid it in. Uh, Spurs get the victory there. 
Horror Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capillary Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Okay, so real quick for the uh, texter that wants to know about the kids. Now, this is an early game, so I'm not sure that the five hours before the game applies to Bevo Boulevard. We used to get down there like four hours before when we were doing, uh, obviously, pregame stuff. And even early on, it would still be open with people walking around, but they'd be setting up stuff. Yeah, they open also. at 7. I think gates yeah. open at 7 so or 8. So it's open, but just so you know, it probably won't be set up, set up, set up like that. But if you basically the parade that, he, that uh, my man E's talking about, that's what everybody enjoys. You get to see Bevo and the players and all that kind of uh, stuff kind of walk down. That includes the cheerleaders and the band, that kind of stuff. Three and a half hours before kickoff. Right, so 8.30. Yes, yeah, so three and a half hours before kickoff is what you're looking at there. Well, yeah, so um, well, 7.30, right? No, three hours. Eight, uh, you know. Okay, so, well, no, because, right? Well, two would be nine, so, yeah. Three. Three and a half. If it's three and a half hours before kickoff, that. I just know we were there for early games, and it was it was not that early. It wasn't coming through at seven thirty, but we'll see. I, I we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll find the answer. I think I think it's probably. I'm just going off. I'm going off what I'm reading. Here. Yeah, I I'm get you. Information I'm reading. I don't know. I'm not going off personal experience because, like I said, I don't go out there, and I don't have kids that go down there either. <laughs> um, but yes, that's what he says here. Yeah. about three and a half hours before kickoff. Okay, well, I'll, I'll double check that, yeah. but uh, yeah, that, uh, I think it's probably going to be about eight thirty, eight forty-five. But uh, just just on my own memory of sitting there watching it happen while we were doing the show on Bevo Boulevard, that's about the time yeah. uh, we did it for the so player many... walk has to be somewhat early though because you got the players in yeah you do so uh, on the field that's what, yeah so it's the players walk has to be somewhat early i know that so i don't know what time it is but i know it's got to be pretty early because hell i'm a, I'm a player i mean we, we used to be there sitting down at three hours before the game ready to get taped and do all of our stuff individual and that's no rush so that okay. would be, that was gonna be pretty early all right well uh let us know if you know uh where that stands because we want uh, that guy to have his littles out there to see it because there's only two more chances Bevo boulevard two more times this game and then of course the friday after thanksgiving with texas tech longhorns will be on the road the next two games as we are now into the month of november will it be in november to remember for the longhorns uh they put themselves in that position that it can be can be a very special year for the longhorns uh but man uh it can turn pretty quick if things don't go well on saturday well, by the way time. that uh that phoenix sun spurs game last night that didn't end well for the spurs i mean for the suns did you see this they were, I, they, were yeah. they were up 20 and they came down and they had the lead still the spurs made a rally and one of the Suns threw up a three-pointer, or the Spurs threw up a three-pointer, missed it. No one blocked out Victor Wenbanyama. He laid it in. Made it a one-point game with uh, under five seconds to go. I mean, it was good. The clock was around. They throw it into Kevin Durant. And they, you know, I'm sure Kevin thought that they were going to come foul him. So he kind of turned right on the baseline, right in the corner. And Keldon Johnson just stripped it out of his hands and ran to the bucket for a layup. Wow. Won the game. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Durant not paying attention. I mean, all he had to do was curl the ball and they were going to foul him. And he was going to go to the foul line. I know it's October basketball, but still, that's a brain fart by KD. I mean, he's got to just wrap that up, get the foul, go hit free throws, and the game's going to be over. Yeah. Instead, they lose the ball game. Uh, I'm sure that uh, it's just a weird finish. But Victor won by him. I did see the uh, – the Slender Man costume, pretty good. It's pretty good, right? Solid, it, solid it Halloween sim- costume. Simple and to the point. Yeah, I thought Wimby did a good job with that one, man. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched a lot of early season NBA. It's honestly, it's, a, it's World Series is going on, NFL is going on. Sorry, early season NBA. Oh no, People I didn't watch the game. Wins. I just saw the highlights. I got my, <laughs> I got my six screens up here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess that's the benefit of having six screens. Like, uh, you know what? Sorry, early season NBA. You're gonna have to wait. College football, NFL. World Series with the Rangers. Yeah, got to prioritize. It says, guys, it was 8.35 for the Alabama game. That's, when, that's 
But for an 11 o'clock kick, that's typically when it was because we were down there on Bevo Boulevard so many times doing the show for yeah. four hours and getting ready for games. That's just my memory of it. But uh, we will certainly find details as we can. Rod's going to have some behind the burn orange curtain stuff for Texas who are sitting at seven uh, right where we thought the question was going to be Oregon or Texas. And I guess you could go either way. Uh, Oregon's metrics are really, really strong. I mean, Oregon, as we said yesterday, Rod, is a one-loss team. The only team that's in the top, you know, 10 – you know, if you go to yards per play, which is a good metric of, of the dominance of a team, uh, yards per play, they're in the top 10 offensively, and their yard, yards per play allowed, they're in the top 10 defensively. They've, they've committed the fewest turnovers in the FBS, Oregon, and their only loss was to number five, Washington at Washington. And a game they had every opportunity to win. I mean, they, I'm sure Dan Lanning still kicks himself for some of those fourth down decisions he made with Bo Nix and um, taking field goals. They end up losing that game when a field goal that would have sent it to overtime misses. Yep. So Oregon is the highest-ranked one-loss team. But Texas's argument is their opponents that they've beaten have a, have a record of 40-24, and 24, which is the best of any of the contenders. Uh, that's 16 games over 500, so they really haven't played a bad team. Every team they've they played has a winning record, and they've got ranked wins over Kansas and Alabama, of course. At Alabama, that's the best win of anybody, and their loss was in a rivalry game in a, in a very end-of-game end situation uh, on a neutral site. So don't have a bad loss, have a bunch of good wins. Uh, so it's very close between them and Oregon as far as that goes. But, you know, we got a month of football left, Rod. Uh, yeah. This is just the snapshot, the first glance, and uh, Longhorns are right where they need to be. Yeah, the committee is just a little, you know, a little inconsistent all over the place with exactly why teams – they haven't explained this, but just kind of looking at the rankings, why teams are ranked where they are. Ohio State, um, and you pointed out yesterday, you want to see the teams with the best resumes be ranked the highest. Well, I think that is the case with Ohio State – but not necessarily the case with Florida State, which uh, are ranked behind Michigan and Georgia, which don't necessarily have great resumes, but they, I understand they're getting the benefit of the doubt, especially Georgia's getting the benefit of the doubt because they're defending national champions, and Kirby Smart's a made man now, so they're getting that little bump, and then Michigan's getting the bump because uh, they have won their games probably by the most impressive fashion. They've won it um, you know, in a dominant fashion, so they're getting style points is why they're ranked so high so i'm just not sure exactly what is valued more by the committee style points resume you know benefit of the doubt that kind of stuff they got a lot of different variables i'm sure they're throwing into the mix um and you're right michigan hell they might the sign stealing scandal already get knocked because of that we'll never know i think there are a lot of different factors now that have been thrown into the mix as they're helping them evaluate right now the, the current rankings um and i'm with you i think i'd rather see it based on resume but we won't get stacked resumes for a lot of these teams until later on in the season. Well, and I still think the Longhorn goal should be winning the Big 12 championship. Uh, but, but, and that's, but now, because there are five teams tied at 4-1 and one atop the conference – but that's not going to – yeah, it doesn't guarantee you in, but it gives you the best shot. And well, I mean, still. I mean the, the only way to get to the Big 12 championship game now is to win out. I mean, you've got to win every game. Yeah, because – you've already stubbed your toe one time in the Oklahoma game. So you don't have any margin of – of, uh, of loss here and so but that's the whole that that's the exciting part I meaning the goal to start the year was get to the big 12 title game and win it but to do that now you got to win out and if they do that they're going to be in this conversation and that's the added benefit of where they are right now they're going to be in the national title conversation now as we've said rod there are four spots right uh, next year there'll be 12 <laughs> so you don't have to worry about this no, it'll no, be a stressful conversation right. next yeah. year there'll be 12 you, but yeah um with four if we assume if Georgia, Florida State, and whoever wins out Michigan, Ohio State, those are three spots gone. Done. Uh, can no Georgia question. take a loss here between now and the end? They've yep. got to play Florida in Miami. But the SEC will get a spot. 
SEC will SEC get a spot. SEC get a spot. Big Ten will get a spot. We know that. Yeah. Uh, and so there, you, <laughs> That's two gone. You feel like it, right? Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, if, if Georgia takes a loss and Bama's got a one loss and then we get into that, that semantics, that could be really interesting. But, but let's be real. If Florida, Florida State's through the toughest part of their schedule, they still have to win November and win the ACC championship. Have to play the rivals, but they're not ranked real high. Yeah, Florida, Florida State, Florida still uh, – FSU still has to play Florida – in that rivalry game, but Florida's shown to be much, yeah, pretty much a paper tiger right now for uh, Billy Napier. Miami, that could be a challenging game be, for them. That could be something, but in the ACC, they're not ranked real, so that would be in the big upset. But well, you're they right. just beat uh, Clemson and they beat North Carolina, so that one, that one won't be easy. Uh, and then they've got to win the ACC championship, which looks all, all very doable with a six-year quarterback in Jordan Travis and what they're doing with Mike Norvell. Georgia, have a, they don't, you know, they look. Like their schedule is still very favorable. Now they're going to win the SEC championship game, uh, which at this point looks like it could be Alabama. Yeah. In that game, but but again, if we just concede that the winner of Michigan, Ohio State, will be undefeated, winner of the Big Ten, Georgia, Florida State, those are three spots you got one left. And that becomes the de- debate between whoever wins the Pac-12 and whoever wins the Big 12. Yep. Uh, who's going to get that last spot? If you're Texas and you win out, I mean, that's why I just went through those Oregon scenarios. If, if Oregon were to win out and Texas were to win out, it's going to be a really close argument. It's going to be a really close argument. It would be. It depends. It's going to depend on how that – really the Pac-12, how it shakes out toward the end because they play a lot more ranked opponents toward the end. I'm not sure what the end of their schedule looks like. That can give them a bump. Texas at least gets this K-State bump because K-State's 25th in the polls. Um, but after that, I don't know if Texas will get a bump. TCU, Iowa State, they're not going to end up ranked, are they? Well, I mean, this would be interesting, Rod, if, if they were to win this game – because assume Texas wins this game, so they get a top 25 And, we, we, and we're, we're saying that knowing they could very well lose yes, this game. Yes, we're not being cocky here again. We no. know they could lose. We just, well, let's just, for, this, for the sake of this conversation, yeah. they win this game with a backup quarterback at home against the 23rd-ranked team in the country, who's right. maybe the hottest team in the Big 12. That could bump them over Oregon in next week's ranking. Right? Yeah. That, that could take yeah. them to six. You play the, you play the, yeah, you play that week by week. Because it's very close. Yes. And a win over a ranked team, adding, you know, they rank, you know, ranked win over Alabama on the road, ranked win against Kansas, ranked win against Kansas State. Kansas beat and, Oklahoma and, helps you, and, and then the, it hurts you. Right. The, yeah. <laughs> and the strongest strength of schedule, that could bump them up to six. And then, you know, Again, because Oregon still has to play USC. Oregon still has to play Oregon State. Where's um, USC now? So I it's in out. It's in. It's in Oregon. Okay. Because USC this week plays Washington at home. That's big. Uh, at in Los Angeles, they play Washington, who's ranked number five. I know it's hard to root for Lincoln Riley, but if you're a Longhorn fan, you'd, you'd like to see Washington take a loss, and that game very well could be sixty-three hey, sixty. Honestly, they could end up knocking USC out of the top twenty-five. Oh, all together. Yeah, right. If they beat them badly enough, all they together. could knock them out all together. They got Oregon State at the end of the season. Uh, Oregon does that. That's a rivalry game, and they've been they're six. They're ranked right well, now. Pac twelve. So. Everybody in Pac twelve is pretty dang good. Um, but so it, that, that could end up bumping them up a little bit too. But yeah, you're right. It's gonna be close. It's gonna be close between those two if they both take care of business if they do and yeah. uh, as we said you know I, I was reading some some comments from chris Kleiman, who's head coach at k-state and he's uh he's obviously very impressed with texas and he hasn't beaten texas just got chris Kleiman's like man these team whether it was tom herman or, or steve sarkeesian uh, the longhorns have really turned the, t- the tables of that series uh sark's two and oh uh it's two and ten in the last two and eight in the last 10 games for for k-state against texas and, and yesterday, Climate Climate does a Tuesday media availability, not Monday like uh, Sark does. And uh, he said he, he said this was quote uh, with the Longhorns. He says uh, 
I think this might be the best team that I've seen in my five years for Texas collectively. When I say that, it's because I don't see any weakness on either side of the line of scrimmage or special teams. They're playing with a ton of confidence. Uh, They believe they're going to be successful. Um, Also said, uh, you're not going to be able to make Texas one-dimensional. We've been able to make a few teams one-dimensional recently. We're really not going to be able to do that this week. Uh, He also put a challenge out to his offensive coordinator. He says, we can't go into this game thinking we're going to rush for 350, but we can't go into this game thinking we're going to throw for 55 because we can't run the football he emphasized that the need for colin klein to create manageable distances down in distance on first and second down which will be the i mean this is sark said it monday first and second down who can avoid third and longs mm-hmm. will be critical in this game totally agree uh, because they both love to, to, to stay ahead of the chains which gives them you know the full playbook on second and short or third and short uh, to to attack a defense. Otherwise, the defense then gets to pin its ears back and come after if it gets to, to third and seven or more. That's going to be the challenge in this football game yeah. when you when you get down to it. But again, Sark has been pretty successful against Kleiman. Uh, both teams are pretty physical. And the one thing we 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 did the on Texas football live stream last night with Jerry Hamilton, and Jerry said he had had a long conversation with someone within the program and said that Monday was not a good day for the offensive line. Monday, the offensive line... They got after him, huh? They got after him. Yeah, they um, should have. And Sark wasn't happy with the, the inability to punch it in from the you know the goal line twice against BYU. Because, uh, you know, you can understand Sark. He's a creative guy with his play call. At the same time, y'all, this is a mano-a-mano thing. This is a pride thing. Well, this he, is this is us against them. He's been bragging about big humans for the last two years. And I think at this point, Longman fans are like, you know what? To hell with the big humans. Can I just get good old linemen that can block like you can have your big humans if you want to give me the old linemen that can effectively block in short yardage and goal line situations yeah you can have your big humans back and they, <laughs> but you know what they seem to block in, in short yardage situations in the middle of the field pretty darn well yeah, but middle of the field is always different because you don't have to defend it deep. You don't, yeah. have to defend, you don't have to defend what's behind you. We're in the red zone. Goal line is different than short yardage, I guess, there. You can make that determination because short, short yardage, I still got to defend the deep if I'm in the middle of the field in between the 20s. But if I'm on the goal line in the red zone, then to me that's easier because I can just go all out and I don't have to worry about you beating me deep because there is no deep. All right. I have now the official UT document of when this will start. 845. Oh, 845, Rod. Thank you there to you someone go. on Twitter who sent it to me. Uh, for the youngsters that want to get out there and the, the father that wants to take his littles out to see Bebo Boulevard, the answer is 845 is when you cheer on the Texas football team at the stadium, uh, the official team arrival, line up on the north side of Bebo Boulevard beginning at noon, uh, and then the stadium gates will open at 9 o'clock. There you go. There you go. There you go. Nice. 845. Thank you, people. Good job. That says USC shouldn't be ranked at all. Well, potentially. But the, um, if they keep playing defense like because remember, they beat Cal last week 50-49. to 49. Yeah, their defense shouldn't be ranked. Their offense is legit. So they'll, they'll be knocked out of the rankings. They lose again. Anyway. It says FSU, Florida State is a fraud. Well, I don't know. Florida State beat LSU. Florida a State fraud. beat Clemson. That's Florida a State strong word for a team with such a strong resume. There's fraud and a six-year quarterback. Fl- you mean flawed? He said fraud. <laughs> flawed, I think, is more the term. Fraud? I don't know about fraud. Okay, I'll say flawed because every team is flawed. No doubt. It, oh, teams like USC, they have a tragic flaw. I mean, one of their phases is one of the weakest you phases. Said it. I mean, Texas has flaws. Their red zone offense is bad. Flaw. Short yardage. Well, and I oh, keep hearing people say that, that Lincoln Riley is letting Alex Grinch bring down his, his, his name. But at the same time, this is on you, Lincoln. At this point, this is your defense, brother. Yeah. Uh, this is your program. This is your defense. That's true. And it's not good Yeah. on that side of the ball. You got to own that. 
Hey, we'll come back when we do. Rod will take us behind the BOC. Uh, Sark v. Chris Kleiman. It's a coach's game here. I mean, you got a backup quarterback at home against a very good team. Uh, This game, it seems to me, is on Sark to have a great game plan, call a great game, uh, navigate his young quarterback through a a difficult team that is beatable, but you got to make plays when they're there and not make mistakes. We come back with that plus off the record before the end of the hour from the home studio in South Austin. It's Hook Em Up with Ian Rodby. Good, good Sam's. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Rock and roll. That's what the uh, Texas Rangers did last night. Pretty cool scene. You got to imagine it, but... uh, Adolis Garcia was told by the medical staff yesterday that his World Series was over. He was going to be taken off of the roster with a oblique strain that he suffered in Game Four and uh, or Game Three, I should say. Um, he'd been carrying the Ranger offense, not carrying, but man, what a powerhouse oh. through this Ranger playoff run! Astro fans in the, play- in the postseason still having PTSD yeah. from El Bombi oh, and uh, gathered all the hitters together and said, "My my World Series is over. You guys rally together and go get it." And how about last night? You no, know, Marcus Simeon had a huge night. Corey Seager had another home run his 19th of his postseason career. But at the bottom of the order, Travis Jankowski uh, taking, uh, you know, El Bombi's spot in the lineup. He went two for four, drove in a couple of runs, and uh, it was a desert storm for the Rangers last night. And now they have Nathan Evaldi on the mound tonight, their ace, looking to close out in game five. He started game one. Uh, He's been lights out in this postseason. Uh, So, you know, the numbers are on the Rangers' side, to say the least. If you go up 3-1 in a series, Rod. I give you the number. Oh, I think oh, it's, it's got to be close to ninety percent. I bet. Yeah, I think you're about right. It's uh, be forty-two of the previous forty-nine teams. Forty-two of the previous forty-nine. Wow. Uh, to take a three-one lead, have gone on to win the World Series. The recent club that didn't was the Chicago Cubs against mm. Cleveland in 2016. It's crazy. So uh, yeah. yeah, feel good about it. And this Ranger team, they're now ten and zero on the road. They haven't lost a game away from Arlington. Clutch. Um, gosh, they've just been they're clutch. too good. Yeah, man, they really too talented. And again, now you're putting your ace on the mound. I mean, and you don't have to. If you can get tonight's game, you don't have to worry about your your you know Max Scherzer and your pitching staff and those kind of things. Uh, we'll see. And with the night off coming the next night, you wonder how how Bruce Bochy manages this, kind of like a game seven. Let's just get this thing now. You know, let's, let's be let's get if we get a lead, yep. let's save it and let's go home and, and have a parade. Let's not go home and play a ball game, let's go home and set up a parade. And where's that parade gonna be? Is it gonna be in Arlington Ooh. or will it be in Dallas? Oh in Dallas. Fort Worth? In Dallas. A, okay. Dallas, yeah, you gotta put that thing in Dallas. But they're in Arlington. Is that they, you throwing a little shade there? <laughs> I'm just asking the question. They're halfway between Dallas. I mean, it's a Metroplex team. Okay, so would the Cowboys parade be in Dallas? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, because they're the Dallas Cowboys. But they play (laughs) next door to the Texas Rangers. I know. I'm just kidding with you a little bit. I mean, I can root for your team, but I'll also give you some business. You know what I'm saying? Give the business. Proud of your team. Proud of your team. They're doing good things for the great state. But uh, if I'm a little old Arlington, I'm like, come on, man. We should get a parade over here. 
Well, you know, they can try they can they can drive to Dallas. <laughs> they can drive to Dallas. <laughs> they can drive to Dallas for that parade. Don't worry, they can start making well, plans. They're the already. Metroplex team and uh, no doubt about it. And they're doing them proud to say the least right now. Big win last night. That was nice. Uh they continue to get it done. Uh okay. By the way, I finally figured it out, Rod. I'll get, tell you an off the record. What'd you get? I, it's been driving me crazy ever even since the Astros series and before. Evan Carter, who the young outfitter looks like to me. Uh oh. Who'd you It finally you know? hit me last night because I saw him in the his, dugout with his hat off. Found his doppelganger? I think I did. Who's, who's the doctor? I'm going to tell you coming up. Okay. I'm going to tell you coming up off the record. All right. I like that. Uh, but what we need to do right now is talk Texas football, ranked number seven in the first college football playoff rankings, uh, part of that five-way tie atop the Big 12 Conference at 4-1. and one. Let's go behind the burn orange curtain. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? Right, Texas versus K-State. Everybody is excited about this matchup, as well they should be. Uh, this is a big matchup for Texas, but also a big matchup for Sark because, uh, you know, Sark in this situation, he, he's, he's ascending right now. I think this is a, a – we talked about this. This is a year where Sark's going to either confirm or shatter the narrative about him. If you're a, a Sark fan, he's probably going to confirm. If, if they end up winning the Big 12, he's a championship-level coach. Um, but, if you know, Sark obviously underachieves with this really talented team. There will be people out there who say, I told you so, Sark has always been a – coach that underachieves right he can never win the big game can never you know win double digits can never win the conference that kind of thing and this is one of those games and and he talked about it too where you know Sark's gonna have to out coach Chris Kleiman Uh, I brought up the fact that if you're looking at you know just advantages based on this matchup it'd be hard to say that Chris Kleiman didn't have the coaching advantage. Now, you can make the argument that Sark has, you know, accomplished a lot this year. So if you want to say it's a a push uh, and a draw on the the coaching uh, matchup between Texas and K-State, you could say that. But there's no doubt K-State having two quarterbacks, including a veteran starting quarterback in Will Howard and Avery Johnson, the heir apparent, and Texas having their backup quarterback gives them a quarterback advantage in this matchup. And that's a huge advantage in football, as we all know. So Sark's going to make up for that. And he's going to make up for that by making sure that his young quarterback is playing at a really high level in his second start and making sure that this offense is operating um, at its uh, maximum effectiveness. And that means him figuring out how to conquer the three, the dreaded three high, three down defense, right? Uh, which is three down linemen, three high safeties, and it is the most malleable of all the kind of defensive presentations uh, that are utilized these days. And Sark's offenses have had trouble uh, versus the three high, three down. I got into this earlier, but I'll spare you all the numbers and just give you the facts. If you go look at Sark's offenses in the last two plus years, uh, in the Big 12 versus these three high defenses, which, you know, it, it, it basically was popularized here in the Big 12, created in the Big 12. Oklahoma State's the first documented um, uh, a rep or uh, uh, action of uh, I, uh, that I documented, I could see, of the three high three down being used in the Big 12. And then the Iowa State takes it to another level, and then they popularize it. And now you got K-State running it. you got TCU that runs it. Iowa State runs it. And every team has it now pretty much in their repertoire, even teams 
in the NFL, but some teams, they major or minor in it. It is part of their defensive DNA. Those teams who have utilized it a lot versus Texas and made it a part of their defensive DNA, and they do it as well, if not better than anybody in the country. And by the way, Sark's about to embark on that run of K-State, TCU, Iowa State, those teams. Um, his passing yards, uh, his offenses, different quarterbacks, right? We're talking about 2021, 20, 22, and this season, so different quarterbacks. Passing yards for Sark offenses drop uh, versus uh, three high defenses. Uh, third down percentage drops actually from 45.9% versus other defenses in uh, third down percentage to 36% versus three high defenses in his third down uh, conversion percentage. Touchdown interception ratio uh, drops tremendously from about five and a half uh, touchdowns to one every interception to about two touchdowns for every interception versus three high defenses points per game you're talking about an eight and a little bit of an eight point difference all right based on uh the analysis i have of versus three high defenses compared to sark's averages but if you look at three high defenses uh versus other defenses you're talking about close to a two touchdown difference in sark's productivity efficiency and scoring um as opposed to when he faces other defenses who run different presentations of single high or the two high defense so there's no doubt statistically analytically sark's teams are less effective less efficient less explosive versus these three high defenses and the reason why and we got into this but it's pretty simple basically these three defense they force you to have to process everything post snap for the quarterback everything is processed post snap for the QB because they are it's really good at distorting the pre-snap read disguising the pre-snap read and that's why the passing game suffers versus the three high because most quarterbacks are operating post snap that's why Quinn Ewers versus U of H ran a lot of three high what did he do he dumped it down dump it down dump it down when they're running a lot of three high when when you're not sure about it let's just check it down Sark's offenses have averaged over seven yards per attempt 20 times since he's been the head coach and play caller at Texas uh, in the last two plus years. Only three of those 20 times have been versus three high three down defenses. So the passing game suffers. The reason it's good versus the running game is because there are different angles and different uh, there are different ways that the defense is going to adjust to the run fit. As a defensive coordinator once told me, just because there are six guys in the box doesn't mean there are just six guys in the run fit. So you can have a lot of different guys in the run fit, but the offense doesn't know exactly where those guys are coming from because the defense is so malleable which is going to screw up the blocking scheme because they're not sure who to block. Because they're not sure where they're coming from and they're not sure exactly who has what assignment in the blocking scheme so that also confuses the run blocking a little bit too so it, it works really well and a lot of it is like I said the unique quality is the disguise and the distortion so how do you combat it I think Sark has figured out how to combat it and here is and I think other teams have too first of all go look at Oklahoma State's win over a K-State this year and Mike Gundy, we talked about how brilliant Mike Gundy is. Remember Mike Gundy with Oklahoma State, he was running the three high before everybody else. And with Jim Knowles there, who just went to Ohio State two years ago, or a couple of years ago, and now they have one of the best defenses in the country running the three high, three down defense. Now they're at Ohio State. Uh, when he faced that very same defense, who he knows it intimately, this season they ran a lot of three by one sets, trips to one side. All right, three receivers to one side, a single receiver to the other side, a lot of it. And they ran the football a ton out of those three-by-one sets, sometimes to the single receiver side or to the nub tight end side or sometimes to the trip side. And Ollie Gordon was just a man possessed versus them. I went and watched the Missouri game. 
All right, Missouri beat them, but they beat them throwing the football through the air. But they also ran a lot of empty formation and a lot of three-by-one set trips to one side, single receivers to the other side. They actually had um, five 20-plus-yard plays through the air running three, uh, in three-by-one sets. Here's why three-by-one sets work, because three-by-one sets are extreme formations. And my belief is, for the last two years studying the three-high, three-down, is you have to be extreme in your presentation offensively, whether it be personnel grouping or extreme in your formation, to force the three-high to declare itself. It's, it's number one uh, strength as a defense of concept. It's its malleability, ability to distort and disguise the pre-snap read of the quarterback and to disguise the run fits. When you are extreme in your presentation offensively, they have to counter that by getting to their alignment and assignment right away, therefore abandoning their disguise and distortion and revealing Revealing what the coverage is and what the front's going to be. That's why you saw Oklahoma State do it. You saw Missouri do it. And that's the three-by-one set represents that. But empty formation represents it, too. I went and clocked last season. I went and looked at last season and Texas out of empty formation versus the three-high, three-down defense. And I found some really, really interesting numbers. And I went and looked at also, uh, when I looked at the three-high, three-down defense, I went and looked at the uh, the 6-0 line package versus the three high three out defense. This is from last season, and I found some really interesting numbers. And the fact of the matter is, if you look at the three high three down defense last season, um, Texas, when they deployed the six O line package, Texas averaged over six and a half yards per rush versus the, the, the three high three down. And why you say that? Well, because the three high, when you're coming with such an extreme amount of mass at the point of attack, six offensive linemen, and Texas averaging 325 pounds per man on the offensive line, you're talking about damn near 2,000 pounds of mass. You better make sure that you get your alignment and something. You better not be late to your run fits when those guys can get to the second level. You better make sure that you're, you're handling your run responsibilities right away because it's, a, it's, a, it's an extreme situation, a more urgent situation when Texas is in that heavy personnel. And that's why I think Texas had a lot of success running the football. And a lot of teams will tell you that the best uh, course of action versus the three out, three down is just to run the football. Take your quarterback out of it because your quarterback has to deal with the confusion of the pre-snap disguise and then the post-snap di- uh, dissection and, and deciphering what the defense is doing. Don't worry about that. Just run the football against them because most of the time they're working with three down linemen. You're going to have the numbers advantage and the girth and the mass advantage. So six point, actually it was close to 6.8 yards per rush in the 6-0 line package last season versus three out there, three down defenses. Empty empty sets last season too. I wouldn't clock that as well. You were, now you were under 60% completion percentage out of empty formation versus 3 out 3 down, but that's not the number I paid attention to. You were over 50% First down, touchdown rate out of empty formation versus three high, three down defenses. Why? It's an extreme formation that forces you to abandon your disguise and distortion and get to your alignment and assignment right away because if you're late on empty, boom. They're going to hit a quick hitter, and that can go for a big chunk yardage play. So these extreme sets, and I think Sark knows this because he loves the 6-0 line package and he likes empty. These extreme sets and formations and personal groupings will force that defense to declare itself, and then once it declares itself, you'll get better indicators about what your blocking assignments are and what coverage they're in. 
That's the key. I uh, love That's the, the idea. Key. I've heard you say the empties before in the 6-0 line package. And then, you know, even the three the trips trips to either side. The three-by-one uh, sets to, work, too. To force them to yeah. declare uh, because, they, you know, you, you know that, that, that was a nice one, too. All right, we'll be watching that on Saturday. And you're going to have to execute that with a backup quarterback. But uh, Malik Murphy said now two weeks of practice to, to uh, implement. Uh, I love what I really liked is when you mentioned uh, the three the trips to one side and then Ollie Gordon running out of that. Oh, I did um, a ton of it. I mean, you have an offensive line and a, and a – uh, and a running back and Jonathan Brooks, who should be able to flourish in a similar way, uh, if you can copycat some of that stuff. And they won that game. And another part of the reason they won that game, twenty nine twenty one, in Stillwater was Ollie Gordon had a big game running the ball, but they also forced three Will Howard turnovers. That was big interceptions right in that, that game. Yep. Uh, and this is this is what Texas will deal with on Saturday, eleven a.m. That's good stuff behind the BOC. Coming back, we'll go off the record. I'll tell you who I think the Ranger rookie Evan Carter looks like. I'm even more convinced now. They looked him up. Also, Rod, we've got. Uh, D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a brain bag comb. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh man, it is uh, doesn't suck today. We got good stuff. It's going to be in six about sixty degrees today. A little frost on the pumpkin this morning, coming off of Halloween. It'll be a great uh, trick or treating adventure last night. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. man. Didn't even. I still got candy left over. Can we got a whole bath. We only had like two people come by last night. No, it's, uh, uh, something happened, man. I think COVID might have killed Halloween for the most part. Oh, no. There Shout were a bunch of people up front of our neighborhood. What, really? Our neighborhood gets up. I mean, turns out a lot of people come to the front of our neighborhood from other neighborhoods. Just like hang out? They have a, like a block party? I guess. Well, yeah, there are block parties in our hood, but uh, we live back here in the back. You have to drive through here to get to us every morning, Rod, because yes, we are sir. still from the home studios. By the way, the cameras are up and running, so we're back on Twitch. We're back on YouTube. You can watch the show. That's right. Uh, I think we've got the audio problems we were dealing with earlier solved, but yeah, we we have the cameras up from the home South Austin Onion Creek studio, bringing it to you live and uh, having fun with you. Hey, Rod, off the record, I, I've been watching this Evan Carter play baseball for the Rangers. I've been trying to think, who does that guy look like? He looks just like somebody. You said you found his doppelganger. I finally hit me last night because I saw him without his hat on in the dugout. Did you watch the show Boardwalk Empire? I uh, did, yeah. Back in the day. He looks like an actor named Josh Houston who played the character Richard Harrow, who was the sniper. Remember him? He was the sharpshooter. Uh, yes, and I if, do remember. And him. if you Google an actor, a British actor named Jack Houston, H U S T O N, you'll say, you know you what? Went deep on that one, didn't you? Well, because it's just been bothering me. It's one because I knew it wow. wasn't someone he's super famous. He also kind of looks like Kevin Harvick, the uh, NASCAR driver. But Man. if you look up Kevin, yeah, Jack, he was. It wasn't even the. I've never seen him anything else. But it was like, the, that's who he looks like. is the dang guy from Boardwalk Empire. I thought you were going to say like a well-known actor. No. Like, I don't know who that dude no. is. It was just the look. It's smile. And then it just, because he was such a good character in Boardwalk Empire because he was creepy. Mm. And he, remember, he had, remember he had to put on half a face? Remember he had to put his yes. face on? That was pretty. That was, a, that was actually a cool character. Yes. And that's, yeah. that's my man, Evan, Evan Cotta. Evan Cotta. Evan Cotta out of Tennessee. Hey, what do you have, Rod, for us in uh, Off the Record this morning? Um, How about this? A second teacher at a small Missouri high school has landed uh, in trouble uh, with with some of the parents at that school and with uh, some of the decision makers in the school district for supplementing her income by 
having an OnlyFans Ooh. account. Yeah, that's right. Apparently, Damn she it. had some uh, some adult content on her OnlyFans. I guess you can have an OnlyFans account. You just can't have the adult content if you're a teacher. Um, a student slipped a note under her classroom door that read, quote, knew your secret. I think it's meant knew your no. So maybe the, yeah, maybe the, maybe she's not a great teacher. Um, <laughs> she said, "Oh no, oh sugar." Uh, yes, um, I remember the report here is wrong, but that's what that's the way they said it. So he, uh, that was a wrote, that was a, a written note that was slipped under her door that basically told them that told her that they knew exactly what she was up to um, in her off time. And Megan Gaither, tw- thirty-one years old, an English teacher and varsity cheerleading coach at St. Clair High School told the, uh, the Post that she was put on leave Friday after her um, moonlighting job where she was uh, probably mooning some folks. Hey, you remember, speaking of OnlyFans, yeah. the OFs, you remember yeah. the uh, former... Her, remember her colleague, Brianna Kopich, a former freshman and sophomore English teacher at the same school, uh, recently resigned because of the very same issue. So maybe multiple... These, these, these teachers are really hot at this school. I gotta well, tell you, well, my hot teacher theory is uh is actually hanging. Well, look, guess what? When you start doing that and realize how much money you can make instead of dealing with your people, you people's kids, you people, it's a lot better. You can you make people. a lot more money, and you don't have to leave your house. Come on now. Uh, but how about this? Ex NBA player Joe Smith. Remember him? Remember oh, yeah. that he was the first pick of the draft out of remember Maryland back in the day? Yeah. Well, her, his wife Keisha Chavez or Chavis. Uh, went on a TMZ live show yesterday to address an Alviral video that revealed oh. that she has an OnlyFans account. Oh, and man. Joe Come Smith on. didn't know about it. They've been married for 13 years. 13 years? She says it was not a selfish decision. She said that uh, during COVID, it really took a hit on their income. She felt like Joe got into a, like a mental, bad mental place because he went from first pick overall to not making any money, not having a job. And so she, and she had been a singer and an actress before when they, they met. Oh, okay. So she was like, well, I got to do something to, to bring in some income to the house. How much, how much income is she bringing in? That's the question I have. How much money is she actually making on this thing? Well, they make pretty good money. So I'm saying, if she's making good money on yeah, it, she then says she believes Joe fell into depression after going from top pick to jobless. Well, anybody would. So she... Uh, the fall from grace. She made the decision. She's been running the... Uh, now he found out about it, and he moved out. Ooh. She hopes that she can salvage their relationship. She hopes she. I think she went on this TMZ live to like make a, a bid to him that hey, I, I didn't do this. I did it for us. I did it for us. Okay, but we needed it, the money. So it definitely was adult content though. Oh, well, that's all you that sells. Everything on OnlyFans. No, what are you doing? Sure, like gardening? I'm sure there's somebody on OnlyFans that's doing some. Let me PG, show you how to bake cookies. PG-13 content on there or something. Uh, maybe NC-17. I don't know. But yeah, your wife should tell you if you're doing OnlyFans. She should. That's probably something you share with your partner. Yeah, Come probably on. so. You got to do that. Hey, Come honey, on. I became a stripper and didn't tell you. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to need you to share that information. <laughs> hey, we're back. We've got two hours to go on a busy Wednesday. Hook them up with Ian Rodby.